we now pick up our text here in Luke chapter 24, verse 13, and it says, Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called uh, Emmaus, which which was seven miles away from Jerusalem. So all these things have happened. You have two of of, uh, Jesus' kind of disciples, not one of the 11, but they're traveling, and they're on their way to a town about seven miles away from Jerusalem. You imagine all the things going on. They were there, the Passover, followers of Jesus. Now this is the first day after the Sabbath rest. They're traveling back, possibly on their way home, or you know, who knows if that was just a stop on the way farther away home or whatnot, but they're now traveling away. There would be a lot of crowds of people now at that time leaving Jerusalem because you know, Passover's over, and I don't know if you guys have ever been in a situation where you go to a big event, you know, 4th of July and stuff, and, you know, kids are, woo woo, we want to watch, we want to make sure they got all the ones that were missed, and the dad's thinking, let's get in the car before all these other people get in a car and get on the road. Let's get out of here so we're not parked for hours, you know? And so I don't know if that was kind of a rush out of town with everything going on, and so as they were there, they're heading out, and, at, and it says, verse 14, it says, and they, were, uh, and they talked together, and all these things which had happened. And so it was, why they conversed and um, reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. And this term drew near almost is like suddenly he's just there with them. Okay, it's not like he ran and caught up, but he just is there. And... You know, if you guys ever, um, you know, you guys ever have a, a, a marital um, uh, disagreement or discussion, you know, you, you, you label them. We don't have arguments in our house. Mom and dad just have discussions, okay? This term, conversing and reasoning, would be a same way of saying they were heated, this is a heated kind of discussion these two are having. Like, what's going on? I mean, this is this, and he said this, and all this. And, and so it's not just they're having this, you know, mellow conversation. Well, that was interesting. I kind of wonder how that was going down. And no, they, they're heated, and they're there, and it's, you know, there's, there's sweat involved in this conversation. And so next time when you and your spouse are arguing in front of the kids, you can just say, oh, we're just conversating and we're reasoning. It's biblical. But um, so he's there and um, verse 16 says, but their eyes were restrained, so they did not know him. So Jesus is there walking with him. Their eyes are restrained. And and some would say, well, you know, Jesus was, we kind of get this picture that, okay, Jesus is walking with him. Maybe he's walking a little behind. Maybe he's got a hood over his head and can't really see sunglasses on or, or, you know, but of course he was beaten. He had the scars we know of the still, the nail print scars in his hand, right? He still bore those. His beard was pulled and stuff. So he, he might not have been as visibly recognizable, but ultimately in this verse, it really means God restrained their eyes. God intentionally let his presence not be known at this point. He is not revealing himself. And then I'll show you why when we go through the scripture, Harris, why those things are important as we look at it and, and, and kind of where these two guys are and what, as we go through the story, what is important being taught to them? What was God establishing in them? What was the roots of their belief? And when you realize that they cannot, they weren't understanding who was walking with them and seeing it, their roots wasn't in a vision of God. Their faith wasn't based 
you'll see the understanding of the gospel, what God wanted to reveal to them, and later we'll see to the disciples, was not to be based in a vision or in a feeling or of a desire. We're going to see what does God, Jesus returning from the grave, where does he take these men? What does he want their belief to be rooted in? And many times, you know, people, oh, if I saw a vision or, you know, and they base their understanding of God, but, you know, once when I was little, I saw this thing, and therefore I know God's real and those things. Not to say God cannot work in those ways, but more importantly, he desires for us to understand him in a certain way, and he reveals this really clear in the scriptures this morning as we go through. But this is the most hilarious section of scripture when you think about it. So you got these two guys, they're walking along, and Jesus kind of just shows up and starts walking with them, you know, and they're having a conversation. And in verse 17, and he says to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Hey, what are you guys talking about? You know, why are you guys sad? You know, just hanging out, you know. And one of those named was, uh, and one of those named was Cleopas, answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened here in these days? Like, hey, bro, where have you been? Everybody knows what's going on. This has been a talk. What's, what's the deal here? And Jesus, oh, what's going on? You know, just playing kind of like he's just out of it. What's interesting is we have these two men. They were disciples they weren't apostles maybe they were be apostles but no i mean we only have one of them even named which is amazing you did have the 11 but there were other men that had followed jesus had walked away from their careers their jobs followed jesus for the hope of this being the messiah and the king and what i love about this is everybody that jesus is showing them up to first you have the angels speaking to the women, which their testimony wasn't even good in court, what we saw last week. And now you have these two basically unknown disciples of Jesus, not the first 11, none of that. And he shows up and he's walking with them and he's like, hey, what are you guys talking about? What are you guys, you know, discussing? You guys seem sad. You know, and they're like, what, what's, what do you mean what's going on? You know? And, and they were just common, simple men that had lost their hope they had lost their joy, they, their understanding, their, their, biz, uh, their spiritual sense of direction is now gone, in a sense. They, they've lost the desire, the love they had for Christ, and looking towards those things have come to an end abruptly. You know, um, they didn't understand the cross. None of this made sense with the Messiah and what they knew about the Messiah. And if this person was the Messiah, how does that, those things line up? It doesn't fit into their thinking process. And here in verse 19, and he said to them, what things? What things? Oh, what do you guys, don't you know what happened? What things? I mean, you just think of that. Here Jesus returns. I mean, if man wrote this, would that be like the wrong thing? It'd be like this sky peels back. Jesus returns, you know, and the 12 are front and center. And here I am. I rose from the dead. Not showing up on a road with two unknown disciples and then sitting there and going, oh, what was going on? <laughs> I mean, he's just being, I mean, it's kind of hilarious, right? He sits there and goes, oh, what things are going on, you know? Like, just plain, like he doesn't know. I mean, he's just, here, here's a question. What do you mean, what things? How about you tell me? And so they said to him, 
the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, of Nazareth ooh, who was a prophet mighty in, word, in deed and in word before God and all the people. That's good. They got, they got some good facts. They know who he was. They know where he was from. They know he was a prophet. They know he was mighty in deed and word, right? And in verse 20, it says, And the chief priest and all our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. That's good to understand, you know, no good facts. You know, they're breaking out all the facts down to Jesus here, just in case he was confused, even though they don't know it's him. And but we were hoping that he was going to be the redeemer of Israel. Indeed, besides all these days, today is the third day since these things have happened. So yeah, we saw all these things and we were hoping he was the redeemer. At that point, their hope is lost. What they were hoping in has come to an end. And then on top of it, they're confused. Verse 22, it says, Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early, early astonished us, and they did not find his body. And they came saying that they had also seen a vision of an angel who said he was alive. Great. So you know, okay, he's Jesus of Nazareth. You have some facts here, right? He was a prophet. He was great and mighty indeed. He was crucified. He's supposed to be the promised redeemer of Israel, right? Okay, he supposedly rose to, for the dead. Now they have a lot of good facts, but still they're missing it, right? In verse 22, but, you know, what's the response? They get excited, right? At that point you think, oh, that's all the information you need. He's risen, right? He's not there. They came back, they reported he wasn't there, they said he was alive, right? So you should be set. Nope. Verse 24, and it says, And a certain of those who were with us went up to the tomb and found it, just as the women had said, but he, him they did not see. So you know what? These women said this happened. They said he rose from the dead. We went up there. We didn't find the body. We didn't find any angels. We didn't find Jesus. He's not there. We didn't find the body. You know, he wasn't there. We don't see him. You know, the women said these things, and it's funny thing is, you think of Peter and John, right? What, what do you think the women came back with a report from last week? They got there, and the, bio, the angel first says, why do you seek the living, among, the living one among the dead ones? Right? Why are you here seeking? When they got back and told Peter and John that, they ran up to the tomb, right? And we think, wow, they were more spiritual than the rest. No, they didn't listen. The angel said, why are you here looking for him? He's not here. <laughs> you know, people like, the only place he isn't going to be is there, right? But you see that, right? And they're sitting there going, so we, we've all understood these things. We're there, but yet we haven't seen him rise. We haven't seen his body. And at this point, we are all in the same boat as these men. We have the understanding Jesus was a prophet, mighty indeed in word. We know he was crucified. We know he was a promised redeemer of Israel. We know we have reports that he was rose from the dead, testimony from the Bible that he has risen from the dead and walks. But yet, have you guys seen physically Jesus walking around? Right? At this point, even though he's right there in their presence. They haven't seen him, but he's in their presence. Same thing with us is we have all these testimonies. And if I ask many of you guys, no, I haven't seen him, but I know his presence. And that's what exactly was going on here in that sense. And Jesus uses some very, um, if, if you ever do counseling, don't take this advice from Jesus. And then Jesus said to them, oh, foolish ones, slow of heart, to believe in all the prophets have spoken. You know, can you imagine somebody ever, he's sitting there, they're sad, they're going through this, all these things happened, and this and this, and you go, oh, you're foolish. 
It's the first, last thing you want to hear out of somebody giving you counsel, right? Sometimes it might be good actually to hear, but oh, you foolish one, you know? Have, don't you believe in all what the prophets have said? Ought not the Christ have suffered these things and entered into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So here Jesus is, the Savior. He's risen from the dead. He shows up um, not showing his identity to these two disciples. And for their belief, and what does he want it to be grounded on? He goes straight to the word go straight to the Old Testament. And when it says Moses here, it's not just talking about what Moses shared, but it's talking about the books of Moses all the way back to the beginning. You know, all the way back to the seed of the woman whose heel would bruise the head of the serpent. Blessed, the blessing of Abraham's seed to the, all the nations. The high priest after the order of Melchizedek. You go through the man who wrestled with Jacob, the lion, the tribe of Judah, the voices from the burning bush, the lamb of the Passover, the great, the greater than prophet than Moses, the captain of the Lord's army to Joshua, the kinsman, the redeemer to Ruth. You go through the whole Old Testament, David the son of David that was going to be greater than the king of David, than his own father, the suffering savior we see in Psalms 22, the good shepherd in Psalms 23, the description of the prophet's suffering servant in Isaiah 53, the priceless Messiah of Daniel establishing a kingdom that would never end, going through the gospel. Not a sign, not a feeling, He's taking them through the Word of God. And you sit there and go, man, Luke, why didn't we get a record of that? Right? You're taking them all the way through the God. Wouldn't you like this sermon? What did he go through? What, where, where did he point all these things out in the Old Testament? Here you have the Word of God using the Word of God to show them the Word of God. You know, it's amazing to see. And all their hopelessness, the situation... They're in, can you imagine if you were there and you followed Jesus Christ and you've became his disciple, you've given up your life, you've walked away from it, you get there and you get there and the cross happens and these things happen and all your hope and you're heading home. What do you tell your family? What's going through your head? Did we miss it? What do I go back and tell my family? What do I go back? I mean, we followed this guy and now he was crucified. What do we, What happened? You know, and it's, it's interesting because you, you look at things and um, we ended up in a conversation yesterday with, you know, um, we've had, I've had some interesting family, extended family, flat earth theory people. You know, and it's like, where do you go after that? What point do you realize it's wrong? And then what do you do? How do you face the rest of those people you've been telling that to? You know, we were down in our, um, kind of me and Heidi's hold town, little Lucerne Valley desert, and there's a guy out there that has that flat earth rocket he built and shooting it in, and of course Alex had to tell him how his design was very insufficient. You know, it's not the best way to go about it, you know. But, you know, and you kind of look at things like that, and you go, it's pretty obvious what the guy did. He raised, you know, hundreds of thousand dollars to build a rocket that's not going to get up that high. You know, if you're trying to get up high to look around the curvature of the earth, you don't start shooting yourself off from a desert valley floor at 4,200 feet. Now, San Antonio, that you can hike up, but it's not far away from Lucerne Valley, where we used to hike up at 13.8 is the top. 
his rocket's only made 1,000 feet. I can make it 1,000 feet in my Honda up the mountain and do better than his rocket and be a lot safer, generally speaking. I mean, I can walk that. I've ridden that, you know? But anyways, but again, what happens when, they, you know, could you imagine going home? That's where the weeds, these, these guys are feeling like, oh, no, the earth is round. What are we going to tell our family? I mean, they're feeling really bad. Their hope is totally lost. And what does Jesus do? He's, he comes back not with this great revelation, heaven peeled back and all these things. He comes back straight to the Word of God and walks them through the Word of God, the same Word of God we have today. Actually, more access to the Word of God and the testimonies of who Jesus is. He walks them through it. He starts teaching them through the Word. And so many times you hear, you know, th there is so many churches, so many places, so many people that are wear a mantra or, or say they're a Christian that, oh, the Bible isn't what it needs to be. Now, understand, you can study the Bible and get to the point where it's, it's a theological studied and it's learning and it's all head knowledge and it's not you know, where you're just a hearer and you're not a doer of the word. That is bad. But to go and say, you know what? People just cannot handle the word of God anymore. They cannot handle, they don't want to hear it, you know, they have a short attention span, you're better off making a quick YouTube video, put that out there, or, you know, social media and all this, and you got to have lights and all these things. I'm sorry, there's nothing that has the same power as the Word of God. If Jesus Christ coming back in his resurrected body didn't come down and say, okay, let's have a new Bible study, I'm going to teach you how to do this all right now, he goes right to the Word of God. Right to the same Word of God we can take people to. Right to the same Word of God we can wake up and go to in the morning. It is important to study the Bible, you know? And, and why do you think the Holy Spirit, again, it's not like Luke said, oops, I forgot to put this in. You know, we should have recorded that Bible study we didn't, where he took it through. Why do you think, why do you think it's not recorded? This happens again with the disciples. Why do you think we don't have Jesus' sermon to them on going through how he reveals himself through the whole Old Testament to us? Because it's not for us. It's for them. Do you want to know what God has for you in his word? Open it. It comes alive. It's a living book. It's designed. It, God uses it to speak to us. Right? He wants us to study and search those things out. You know, it wasn't a, you know, so many times it's like, well, that's a hard thing to understand. You know, well, I have this question about it. Go read your Bible. No, I want the easy answer. Google Doc. Google this. Google that. You almost Google any question and then get, you know, 200 wrong answers and one right one. No, I mean, you never know what you're reading online. But you know what I mean? To actually sit down and study and seek out the Word. And I love the different tools. I mean, you're, you know, we used to have a Strong's Concordance and the Stronger Strong's Concordance and the Strongest Strongest Strong's Concordance and a book to go through. And now you can click on it. Poof, right there, magical on your computer. It's amazing. But, you know, there's something to studying through and looking at the Word of God and just taking that time and going, God, open the Word, what do you want to speak to me? What now at this point in my life? You love me. There's all these things that could possibly go wrong in this world. All these things I'm going through. I need you to speak to me. And every time you open up your word and you're there, he speaks. Sometimes, yeah, it's hard. Sometimes we're battling things in our minds and it's hard to hear those things. For me personally, it's hard to quiet my own mind down to pay attention you know, since it's a year and a half senior pastor here, do you know when I study? In the middle of the night. I wake up really early and I study in the middle of the night. You know why? 
because that's the only time Tim's mind's quiet enough to hear from the Holy Spirit. I mean, I just, I got to be dead tired. Just, you know, it's the way it works. You know, it's odd. Um, I'd, I'd prefer some other options eventually, but, you know, maybe I'll get older and my mind will slow down. I'll work out better. But that's just the way it is. And so as you seek God's word and he starts to reveal these things and why, you know, he's speaking through it and the importance of the word of God. And so they continue on in verse 28. It says, as they drew near to the village where they were going, and he had indicated that he would have gone on further. But they constrained him saying, abide with us, for it is toward evening and the day is far spent. And he went in and stayed with them. So this word constrained means exactly that. Think of a constraint like a car seat belt. It actually has the tone of force to it. So Jesus is there and he turned on his indicator light going, okay, I'm not exiting. I'm continuing down the freeway. And literally that's what that means, indicate. He's, you know, whatever the custom was, you know, they're walking the line and he's going, okay, it was nice meeting you guys. I'll see you later. And they jump him. They grab him, they constrain him like, no, you're not going nowhere. You're hanging out with us. I mean, it is good to be hearing the word of God. It is good to be making sense of all this craziness going on. Our minds have been struggling this. We've had the Sabbath where we can do nothing, trying to process everything that's happened. And now we find out this report from these women in the morning, and this is going on. We're having a hard time. And you just, you just laid it all out for us. We're getting you know, this thing. And it really shows where they're at later here, we'll see. But in verse 30, it says, And it came to pass, as he sat with them at the table, that he took bread, blessed it, and broke it. And he gave it to them. And then their eyes were opened, and they knew him. And he vanished from their sight. So as he's there, and he's breaking bread, it's kind of interesting. I wonder if, you know, you'll see this again and again. Jesus seems to like to eat. I mean, this is the first time in his resurrected body, then he's eating later. But, you know, I don't know if he broke bread a certain way or something. They're like, oh, I've seen him do this before, you know. When we think of breaking bread, right away we think of, okay, well, there's the Last Supper. He's breaking bread like the Last Supper. Well, these men weren't there. They weren't, they were, again, B apostles, not A apostles. They weren't part of that group, you know. But maybe the way he pro prayed with authority and stuff. Maybe the fact that he was taking the position of a host. Why is he leading the thing, you know? Here you're with the stranger. You have to force him in, and you're not serving him. He's going to serve you. You know, maybe it was the fact that suddenly his hands are there and they saw the nail prints in his hand. Maybe it's suddenly these things start putting through. Or God just said, hey, okay, now where I'm done, I've taken you through the gospel. You have the solid root of word, word of God. Okay, now your eyes can be open. And the second that happens, he poof, he's gone, vanished. Okay, the word vanished means vanished. Okay, it's not like a musician. He just, he didn't get up and walk out and sneak out the back or, you know, disappear out of crack. He's gone. And we'll see this again later. He seems to appear in a room. Something's different about his resurrected body. And so, you know, he's, he's gone. He's vanished. In verse 32, it says, And they said to one another, Did not your hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? You know, sometimes you sit down and all these things are going on in your life and you just finally sit down and you open the word of God and it's there. All this craziness going on in their life God met with them, and God just laid it out simply. And the thing was, do you think God could have done that by just talking to him? Yeah. He could have said, hey, what about this? He pulls out scripture. And very many times in our lives, you know, we can sit there and just go, well, you know, do I have enough, God? I feel distant and all this. And it's like, if you have the word of God, and he's gonna, it's alive, it will speak. Have confidence. He wants to speak to you through his word. You know? 
just as much as if he's walking with you. And so he's there, and they're just remembering, man, this, this was good, and how it opened, and how he opened the scriptures up to us, and these things were made, and the word of God was just, a, you know, it was alive and empowered right there as they go. And so they at that, so they're there. What did they tell Jesus? Hey, the hour's late spent. It's getting dark outside. It's a long day. We just walked seven miles. It's, you know, how about you stay here? And the second that happens, what happens? Verse 32, and they said to one another, oh, wait, back up, verse 33, it says, and so they arose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem. So they get up and they're hightailing it back to Jerusalem, right? Now they're going against the flow of traffic. Everybody's walking out and you got these two guys trying to, you know, make it up the roads and some of the paths up to Jerusalem were really narrow, if you remember, up the canyons and cliffs. And now, now they're fighting their way back through it to get to Jerusalem, right? And so they arose that very hour and they head back and they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together saying, now the eleven are saying this, not them, they are saying the eleven, the Lord is risen indeed, he has prepared or appeared to Simon and told, um, and they told about the things that they had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. So, these guys book it back, but we know in the other Gospels, he appears to Simon, he appears to Mary in the garden, she thinks he's the gardener at the tomb, you know, there, and appears to her. And, and, and so these guys book it back with this exciting new day, we saw him, they get there and they're already talking about it, like, oh, we're late, you know, seven miles, Jesus somehow beat them. Maybe appearing in rooms and things had something to do with that. Um, I don't think Jesus was necessarily running faster than them. We had all hoped that our resurrected bodies would have uh, some, some better attributes, at least. But you see this, and they're there, and they're telling them what happened. And, the, and, and they're, here's their statement. The Lord is risen indeed. He's risen indeed. They have this faith. This ground is there, right? And they're saying he's risen indeed. This sounds like everything you need, right? And so they got there. Didn't get back fast enough. And then verse 36, now we're going to see the disciples and what, how God reveals himself to the disciples. He's shown himself to Simon at this point, but not all the 11. And, and as they're talking about these things, so it says, now as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, peace to you. Now we know in the other gospel, they were scared of the Roman guards still getting them. They were in a locked room. They were sealed down and kind of hidden. And it's funny because it's like Jesus is almost in the room listening to this conversation, right? And it just, boom, shows up in the room. Okay, again, it's not like he snuck through a window or anything. The Greek says he just appeared. There he is. He's in the room. And he says, peace to you, which is a good thing. Peace from God to us is a good thing, right? I definitely would rather have peace from God towards me than me with peace with God. That makes sense. But he's there, and he appears to them in the room room, you know, and, and it, it's just interesting. You think about this, it's, it's kind of hard to understand some of these things, but the new body Christ had was different. Suddenly it's there, then it's here, it's a different thing. I don't know about you guys, but I would be pretty bummed in the resurrection if I still have the same body and the same issues. I would like some kind of improvement. I don't know about much of you. I'm sure Heidi would agree with me. We, we, you know, there's some of us would, would like to trade in more things than, than others, I'm sure. Um, you know, all the different elements and things, just kind of leave them behind and trade them in. But, you know, there's something different about this body. 
and uh, something to look forward to. You know, I'm hoping, you know, I don't know what age, you know, maybe 28, you know, most of the disciples, most of the priests were all 30. Some people say, yeah, probably our resurrected body will all probably be about 30 years old. Adam was probably actually created about age of 30, as they say, and whatever. I don't know, but younger's good. You know, I'm not that much older than 30, but I would, I would prefer to go back farther. Some of us have more miles than others. Um, you know, put those miles on earlier in their life. And so, you know, whatever, just some kind of upgrade would be nice. But there's something definitely different about where Jesus' body is. It's, it's not something you can run through science, but it definitely, it, there's things, the laws of physics do not apply to the body of Christ at this point in his appearing. In verse 37, these men who what earlier said, the Lord has risen indeed, right? Great faith. They're all excited. And so when they see Jesus, what do they do? Yay, he's here. No, verse 37. But they were terrified and frightened, and they supposed they had, been, um, had been, seen a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do, why do you doubt arise in your, uh, doubts arise in your heart? So they all believe, they're all excited. Jesus, yeah, we're having a party. Jesus is risen. Jesus shows up in the middle of the party. They're scared, terrified, and now they're starting to doubt that he rose in there. You have, I mean, what other vision would you want? I mean, here he arises, now he's with you, and now you're starting to doubt that he's risen because you see him? We'd actually think it was totally different, right? You would think actually like, okay, if we were all somewhere in a stadium or Greg Glory was there and before Greg Glory shows the gospel, Jesus appears in the middle of the stadium, I'm God, right? Like we'd be all, ah, everybody in the stadium would get saved. No, actually some Christians might not. I mean, ah, that's not Jesus. Uh, you know, second coming, we know better. Um, <laughs> most of us, ah, it's definitely not God, maybe the Antichrist. But you sit there and you look at this, it's kind of an interesting response, right? And so their response is of fear. They didn't have this desire. They weren't, you know, they weren't, if they were here planning out this gospel, if it was something to be made and, and constructed and a story written by men, their response to this would have been, oh, as we celebrated, he came back and we had this party. It was awesome. Not, we all got scared. We got freaked out and we started doubting in our heart. And, and Jesus is sitting there, you know, and obviously he kind of knows it's going to happen beforehand because before they even get troubled, his first words are, peace be with you, like, I know you guys. I know you got you're just gonna I'm gonna show up and you're gonna be scared. And I just get a kick out of it. I mean, when you really look at the scripture, here Jesus' return, right? Shows up on the road with these two guys walking with him. Oh yeah. How about you tell me about Jesus of Nazareth? Ha 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 ha. Right? It's just hilarious. And then he shows up and he goes, watch this. Ready? Boo! And they ah he doesn't even say boo. He says, Peace be with you, and they're all freak out, you know? I mean, it's just hilarious, right? You know, I, I just, I get a kick out of it. You know, I've always joked around. I said, you know, if I knew when the rapture was, I'd like jump after a half dome, like tell people, Jesus, come back in two minutes and then jump and like get raptured right before I hit bottom. But I know my savior, I'd hit bottom, then he'd laugh. <laughs> like, oh, I told you, you didn't know. I mean, it's just, it's a kick. I get a kick out of who, who our Savior is in the midst of all this, you know, and it's just like almost, you got this drab mood, or this is going on, he was that, and he just comes in with this joke, right, like in the middle of it. And so he says in verse 39, behold my hands and my feet, that it is myself. Handle me and see, for the Spirit does not have flesh and bone as you see I have. 
which is a kick. He, he actually says, handle him, and they do. They touch him, and they feel him. And he says, here, you feel my flesh and feel my bone. Now, most of us, when we would say something, would be like, we're flesh and blood, not flesh and bone. Now, we know his blood was spilt out for us. We know life is in the blood. The lamb, when it was sacrificed, they drained the blood out of the lamb. But at the same time, you can't really feel somebody's blood. You can maybe feel a heartbeat, but whatever's, you know, you can feel somebody's bone in their skin, right? But it's interesting. You, you kind of see some different kind of commentaries go off on that, going, okay, maybe there, there's no blood. He couldn't bleed again. It's not like you'd say, here, prick me here. He's in the resurrected body and all those things. I'm just saying, hey, if our resurrected bodies don't have blood, that means I cannot have high blood sugar. That means you cannot have high blood pressure. That means we're eating cake, guys. I mean, we're going to town. I mean, at least I can hope for that. You know, that's, that's where this speaks to me. I don't know about you guys. But you look at these things, right? And so he's there and he says, feel me, touch me, believe it, you know. And when they had, had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. But why they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, have you any food here? So now they're sitting there, and at first they're scared, they're fearful, right? It wasn't their hopes and desires and their own imaginations coming up and, and, and trying to you know, have a mental crutch of who Jesus, and he came back. You know, they, they, they were scared of it. And now they believe, they're, they have joy, and they're marveled, but yet there's still something lacking there. They, they did not believe from joy. They're excited. This is good. But there still isn't a belief there. It still falls short. You know, and, and they're marveling at these things, but there's still a, a lack of belief. And in this, and they're touching him and stuff, and he's sitting here and here again. He goes, hey, you guys have any food? I'm hungry. You know, I've been three days in a tomb. I mean, it, it's interesting to see. And of course, to us, do you have any food? Um, it, it doesn't speak to us of much, you know, if somebody sits down. But again, in that culture, to eat with somebody and to receive the same food as somebody and break bread with somebody, you were, you were now eating kind of the same life and being fed in the same energy of whatever animal you ate. You were becoming one with the people around you. It would have been totally disgraceful and wrong to eat with somebody who wasn't, you know what I mean? It, it, it was a very intimate experience. It's like having somebody over to your house and, and now you're going to refer to that person as your brother and family. You know, you, you'd, if, if you're going to start saying, hey, somebody's your brother, you want to know a little about them all that. This is God saying, yeah, here, I'm not just here in spirit. I, I'm willing to partake. I'm going to eat the same food as you guys. We're going to be there, right? And so there, it definitely spoke of my, more things than that. And so they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb, and he took it and he ate it in their presence. So, Jesus is risen. His resurrection body, he's not a vegan. He's eating fish, guys, so you know. Uh, I mean, you're sitting there and he's eating broiled fish, you know, and he's having a honeycomb, something sweet, you know. He obviously has some taste buds there. It, it's just interesting here within, you know, seven miles at least of travel and stuff, he's eating twice. And, uh, you know, we talk about heaven and the wedding feast of the supper and some of those things and how... Just the blessing and, and not needing the food for nourishment or energy, but just as a blessing and, and those things, it, it's just interesting to see how God's meeting him there. Later we'll see him on the shore and he's bringing in, he's cooking lunch for the guys already, you know? It, you, you go through some of these scriptures and go, man, the guy liked to eat. But he does because the, 
the eating, especially back then, was fellowship. Was fellowship. You know? When we get together and have a potluck, it's, I love some of you guys are really good cooks, but most of the time you don't come for the food. You know, it's like, wait a minute, the restaurant across the street's better, I'm out of here. I mean, it's no, it's a fellowship and it's the people you're hanging out with and getting together and eating. Same thing as Jesus just wanted to fellowship with them, hang out with them. And so he's there, verse 44, and it says, and he said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you that all the things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets in the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. So here you have the 12, or the 11 at this point, actually 10 because Thomas isn't there, we know, sitting there, these men sitting there, these guys who were with him and walked with him, He's there, he's risen, he's sitting in front of him, he's eating with him, he's showing, hey, I'm flesh and bone, here I am. If there was a greater vision, and he busts out this new teaching. No, he takes him right back to the word of God we have today and says, hey, look at this, look at through the scripture that I'm a savior, that I'm here. And, and when you sit there and you realize that, that the risen savior wasn't teaching new doctrine, new things, it was fulfilled. The gospel, everything when Jesus died on the cross, everything we need is fulfilled in the scripture. Everything he taught before, everything God's doing, he's worked out, we have it full. And everything concerning him is there to know he is the savior. Everything for salvation is complete at that point. There was nothing needed. We didn't need the letter to Romans to be saved. We have enough right there to come under the understanding and relationship with God. Not to say God doesn't want to work and change, not to say Romans and the, the letters to the apostles and from the apostles and all that are not inspired by any means, but everything regarding Jesus Christ and salvation is there in the Old Testament and in the prophecy and what he had told the disciples and through the Gospels for what we need to be saved and understand and believe. More than a vision, more than a feeling, more than the happiness of seeing who Jesus and a you know jump up and down joy and excitement, more than an emotional thing. It was an emotional fear, it was an emotional excitement, but it was a true, solid understanding and knowledge of the scripture. You know, some people come in, they, they're looking for it in an experience. An experience is good, but God wants a rooting in the life. And many times when we see it, and we see this story of the seeds that fell on the path and the wayward and the soil that met, the seeds that met in good soil and they were able to grow down and get rooted, God wants us to be rooted in his word. As a believer, to rely on God's word, he wants to root us. He wants to speak to us. He wants that word of God to come alive and to be changing our lives and walking with us like those men on the road. And so he opens the word of God we have today. Not just a desire to know not just a joy, but the word of God. In verse 46, he says, And then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it is necessary for Christ to suffer and rise from the dead, indeed, on the third day, that and that repentance and the remission of sin should be preached in his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. Gospels for everybody, to all nations. And what is it? He was, had to die, he had to rise again. Why? For the repentance of sin, that we could turn away from sin, that the, the, we have now an option, a choice to stop going one direction, to change our minds about who we are and who we live for and living for sin, and now we can choose to live in a different kingdom for Christ. 
and the remission of sins. You know what the word remission means? To be set free from bounds, to be let go. Jesus didn't say, okay, your sins are forgiven, you can repent, and I'm going to accept you into heaven, the price is paid, good luck, I'll see you in heaven. He goes, no, I'm going to give you power to overcome sin, no longer walk in it, to be free from the binds, from those things of sin. And when God, and you study the word of God, and he starts to pull those sin or things up in your life, that you find out God isn't good with this, this is sin, this is wrong for me, God's going to give you the power to deal with it. If I sat down and we got together and you guys are going to go write down all Pastor Tim's list of sins, I'm not going to be able to accomplish pretty much any of them. You know why? Because you're not God and you're not going to give me the power to overcome them. You know, if we sat down and you examine my life or you, you know, fill my life for a week on my thing, there's areas I fall short. You know, well, look at this scripture, Tim, you know, you know, rebuke me. Now, if God reveals those things, I have power to overcome sin. You know, and with each other, gets what the best counsel you can give. If the risen Savior comes back and he sits down with his disciples and says, hey, look at the scriptures. Somebody comes to you, oh, I'm having a hard time this and this and this and this. Well, let me tell you how to do it. No. Get in the word of God. Let's read the word of God together. What is God speaking to you? That's where the power is. Sit together, sit in the word with God and let him speak to you. And he's going to give you the power and the grace to go through those things and to deal with those things. For the remission of sins. What a beautiful thing. And then continuing on, verse 48, and it says, And the witnesses of these things, you are the witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you endure or endue the power from the high, on high. So he sits there and he goes, hey, you've gotten everything. You, you, you're there. You guys are witnesses of me and all this. But there's a lack of power you're going to need. I want you to not get in the traffic rushing out of Jerusalem. You guys need to hang out another 10 days and the day of Pentecost comes, which we are going after the book of Luke here at the end of this. Next week we'll be beginning in the book of Acts. So this is kind of like the, the trailer to come, the power from high that's going to be coming. But the power far as what you need to be saved is interesting here. Okay? Yes, there is the Holy Spirit. When you accept Christ, there's the Holy Spirit that comes into it. But far as the Holy Spirit speaking and having the power of the Holy Spirit and living in your life, I do not see, at this point, Spirit-filled people with the gift of tongues. But yet they believed and they're saved. They're believed and they're saved. They have everything they need far as salvation goes. Yes, you, you, I think you desperately lack in the walk if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. I think there's times where I choose not to be full of the Holy Spirit in my walk, and I, it, it's harmful and can be you know, lacked. It doesn't mean I lose my standing with God. A really clear example of this. Do we have anybody recorded in this 10 days that die from the time of the cross to now? Oh yeah, there was a thief on the cross. Remember, he said, I'll see you today in paradise. And then he stung up and he had to speak in tongues. Nope. And he got baptized. Nope. What did he do? He died. He confessed Christ and he died. And Jesus said, today I'll see you in paradise. As far as salvation goes, that's it. Now, if you've never prayed and asked for the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit, I'd love to talk to you more about that. We'll be going through that in Acts. Frankly, there's a lot of things that wouldn't have happened in my life without it. 
I probably wouldn't be married right now without the Holy Spirit and the power and waiting. And there was a reason he said Terry. He didn't say, hey, if you would like, you know, um, to not be the little little Mario guy, you want to be the big Mario guy, the mushroom's coming in 10 days, you, do, 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 and you get the power and you glow and run around. No, if you'd like. No, it's a Terry, it's a command. This is imperative. You need to stay in Jerusalem until this happens. This is important. It was important for what they were called to do. It was important for the mission that Jesus just gave them. The only thing he told them to do is you guys are going to go and be witnesses of this gospel to Jerusalem and to the rest of the world, to all the nations of the earth. In verse 50, and then he led them out as far as Bethany and he lifted his um, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And then it came to pass while he blessed them that he was departed, uh, was departed from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And there continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. So it's kind of interesting. You think here Jesus is appearing in certain situations. At one point he appears after in his resurrected body to over 5,000 people. And now he's there. He's on his way to Bethany with them. He's praying for them. And then he's taken up in this dramatic thing. You notice he didn't come back in a dramatic cloud. So why was he, why did he leave in a dramatic thing? Could you imagine what happens if he didn't leave in a dramatic fashion like that? Say, hey, I'm leaving, and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit for you. What if suddenly he just, you know, well, has anybody seen him lately? I haven't seen him around lately. Did you see him around lately? I think I might have. I mean, we'd be running around to this day going, I think I might have saw Jesus over there. I could have been. I don't know. No, he, he definitely left a marker that at this point, I'm gone. This is, when I come back, we know when he's coming back. There's a second return of Christ. It is a clear departure. Right? Because we would have been, run, like I said, running around having Jesus sightings all the time. And it wouldn't just be, you know, back in the 60s, a guy on a surfboard or, you know, some guy that just didn't shave and we got this picture of what we think Jesus must look like. You know, it was important for him to leave and departing so they knew, hey, this, this is now done. I've departed. But yet there is the helper coming. He had to leave that we would have the helper, the Holy Spirit, to return for us. And in that way. And so it's interesting. I just love the scripture when you sit here and you look at what's going on. And what's, what we see in both these situations is we have some regular disciples of Jesus, God revealing himself to them. But before he reveals himself to them, he reveals himself through the word of God. The same thing we have right now. We have the word of God and he's in their midst. We have the word of God and he's in our midst. And then the 12, or the 11 apostles at that point, he comes in and what? He reveals himself the same way. And he, as they doubt and as they're sure, their faith wasn't on excitement. We knew this was going to happen. None of that. It was rooted in the solid word of God. And, and what's amazing is sometimes we somehow think that, man, if I had a, 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 a marker stone where I saw God or I saw this, and, and you know, I would believe you, man, there's nothing. If Jesus came in the room and sat next to us on the stage here and said, I'm Jesus, none of us would ever doubt him. No matter what we went through, if it was a car accident, cancer, or somebody, we would never... We have something more sure than that. You know what? Why? Because we would still all doubt that. Maybe we just had some bad coffee. We got to talk to Renee about making the coffee. She slipped something in the coffee that day. It was bad. I mean, we don't, you know what I mean? Something, you know, the water tank or something. We, 
you know, it's amazing how we would be that way. And yet we have the solid word of God that speaks to us and changes us. And so this morning, um, Melanie wasn't able to stay and do a couple closing songs. And, it, and I kind of think it's, it's kind of, um, you know, I love Phil to death, but sometimes the Holy Spirit works and it can even work through illness. And, and Melanie's uh, schedule, she needed to get home with her husband because he's been on the road for two weeks out uh, with the evangelism explosion. And so now we have this little gap after surface here. And I had mentioned to a couple of you, but even if I hadn't mentioned to you, how does God speak to us? Has he spoken to you? You know, I can sit, sit back and go, okay, it's not a vision, but is there a verse? Is there something when you're going through something where God said, hey, he spoke to you through his word. This verse he gave me in this time. And so I've asked, like, Tony and a couple guys, I kind of prepared some of you, but even if I didn't, um, if that's something you have and there's a verse you've had that's impacted your life in that way and you'd like to share it, I'm, I'm going to share one, then I'm going to have Tony come up, then Chip, and then after that, um, just wink at him, and then they'll know there's something special and invite you up. Um, but, you know, there's things going on, and, and sometimes it feels a little awkward. Sometimes it feels a little awkward in that sense of um, when you share something, because it's like, you think, man, what does this mean to somebody else? That it's, it's just words, and, and it's not like great, you know, some great... Um, revelation to anybody else but to you um, God was really clear and, and the last one that recently or the last one three years ago that just really spoke to me was uh, flip here John 14 3 um, and, and to give again keep I mean that you open this up and then somebody gets up here and teaches another Bible study so I'm trying to be careful with that but um, in, in um, the short version I was going through cancer uh, at least tested positive for cancer and, and didn't know how bad it was and those things. And I'm there and you're praying and I'm waking up and just in the presence of God going, I know you're real, I know you're there. But this is scary, man. I, I don't know, the, you know, wake up in the morning, you're drawing breath in and I don't know if I'm going to be here. And God just, you know, and it's like, what am I going to do? Well, I'll open your word, God. What do you want me to do? And I started reading in uh, 14.3 and says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you do not know. And the way you do not know. And when I go, I don't know how I'm going to go. You know, it, it doesn't appear to be cancer at the moment. Um, for a while now. But, you know, you, you, you generally hope in that situation you pray and you go, God, give me Lazarus was raised from the dead or he healed the blind man. Now I go and, you know, I, I, I'm coming to get you to receive you to me. When I want you, Tim, I'm going to come and get you. And it's not that you're dying. I'm going to receive you to me. Here you're sitting there in that situation and God just opens his word up and goes, you know what? I'm not going to tell you how long you're going to be around Tim. I'm not going to tell you if this takes you out. What I'm going to tell you is... I love you, and I'm going to come get you one day. So deal with it. You know what I mean? Just trust me with it. Simple as that. And so that's one of the verses that has stuck out to me. It's just amazing how loving our God is and how many times just when you're going through stuff, sometimes things of joy, sometimes, many times, where things very hard where we just slow down and we consider and we spend time with him, and he just opens his word up and meets us. 
you know, and, and sometimes it, it seems to take longer than we like, <laughs> and the trials can seem to take longer than it likes, but he's still the same God, and every time we come through it, God's there, he's with us, he's walking through it, you know, and it can seem like, man, this, this valley's a long valley, Lord. <laughs> you know, when is this gonna be done? You know, Heidi's health's been a battle, and there's so many different areas we go through. And, you know, and the amazing thing to all the end of it, no matter what battle and everything else, there's still a scripture, man, I'm coming for you when I want to. It's not that you died, it wasn't an accident. Oops, you showed up early. You know, my case, many people think that's what's gonna happen is, oops, somehow I showed up early. You know, I'm accident prone, but it's not the Savior, it's not the Lord we serve. He's waiting, he's desiring, he's loving us, and when it's the most loving time to take us, he's going to. You know, and, and sometimes it's hard to wrap our mind around that going, is this the, you know, the best time? But that's our Lord, and that's the Lord we serve, and I can pray and just, um, even just encourage just all of us, including me, just continue to read in the Word. Get, take that time. And He's a loving God. Yeah, He's going to pull things out we don't like. He's going to say, oh, look at this. This is ugly. You need to deal with it. But He's faithful to give us the strength to deal with it. He isn't bringing it out and saying, oh, look how ugly you are and you can't fix it. No, you can't fix it. But I can and I want to. That's why I'm showing you, you know. It's not, you know, it's not like me when I point out something on my wife's makeup going, oh, that looks bad. I have no ability to fix makeup. It's just not a talent I possess, you know. God has the ability when he points something out in our life, he's doing it because he loves us. He desires to fix it and change us. So I just encourage you guys just to be in the word. Get rooted as much as possible every opportunity. Um, you know, if you're like me and it's hard to actually have time to sit down and read, start listening to tapes. There's download the gospel, listen through it. We have that reading plan out there to be going through. I got a, I had to pay a couple bucks for it, but the new King James Bible app where I can listen to it. And it's even got some dramatic voices in there, you know. So, because Cecily hasn't done her version yet, we still we have to buy one off of uh, an app. So, but God is good, isn't he? Amen. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for who you are and how in every situation, in every time in our lives, at times where it seems like there's no hope and, and we are just lost and confused in the confusion of things, how you just show up so clearly and speak to our hearts. God, and if there's just any of us struggling with that, God, just where it seems like we're having a hard time and a hard time hearing you and hearing you clearly, God, we just pray you just continue to speak to us. God, speak to you through us, through your words, through your, through your Bible, God, that we would just know you. That we'd be able just, that you would just be that comforter for us, God. And that no matter what we're going to, that we just have the peace that the God of all creation loved us enough to come and die for us upon the cross. That there's nothing you would not give for us. We thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.